No worries, mate. Let's go.
Welcome back, everyone. You still there, Mike, or have you disappeared? I'm, no, I'm still here and ready to waffle, mate. Yeah. So you just mentioned a bit earlier you had a tart there. So is that like waffles and tarts or what? <laughs> no, it's a little lemon tart from the fishery down at uh, Mittagong. Right. And my uh, my other half went down there today to uh, to Mittagong and, and basically went to went to see someone down there. And one of my guilty pleasures is to have a have a lemon tart from the patisserie at Mittagong and God save her, the beautiful Rose bought me one home. Wow. So so it's sitting here in a little container yeah. inside me, taunting me as we speak. Right. So at some stage tonight, while someone else is waffling, I'll 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 nibble into that. That'll be good. Yeah, well I'll 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 just have a couple of stubbies. Will you? While you drink your coffee. Yeah, I'm I'm off the stubbies. I'm not allowed to have 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 any of those while I'm taking the opiates. It's never a good idea. Yeah, that's what they tell you, but are they right? <laughs> well, I I don't know. I, I I'm not going to find out, mate, because I, I I can tell you now. I'm sure that I'd be in more than more trouble than Ned Kelly if I if I uh, did something like that and uh, and something was to go awry. Not that I'm going to drive anywhere or do anything anyway, but I'm sure well, I could probably get. It'd be the safest to keep you offline, though, off the radio, wouldn't it? It probably would be. Yeah. <laughs> just don't want any of those Mike train wrecks going on, do we? No. <laughs> no, no. I've done, a, I've done a couple of train wrecks. Yeah. I've had two or three train wreck interviews. Only two or three. Yeah, only, only two or yeah. three. It's not too bad, considering we've been doing it for, what, over three years. So yeah. it's not too bad. That's right. One a year. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're allowed one a year. Oh, right. That's the acceptable level in this media uh, game, is it? Well, it depends on what your name is. If, if, you, if you're someone like Carl Stefanovic, you can have one every week. Apparently. Right, yeah. <laughs> so the more popular you get, right, so this is a sliding scale. It is a sliding scale of train wreck interviews. Yeah, right. Uh, well, of, I haven't got speaking, many then. You haven't got any? No, you've got no cred, mate. You can't <laughs> afford a train wreck at this stage. You really can't afford a train wreck at this stage. Speaking of train wrecks, yeah, and I don't want to associate the two things, right? I really don't want to associate the right. two things. But you're going. But I was having a, I'm going. To, I am going to bugger it. I was having a chat with the uh, the people at Queensland Rail today, mate. Right. Yeah, and we had a bit of a, a sponsorship agreement with them on the podcast, and we, we did a few things with them over the last year or so. Andy and I, and there's a you know, the funny ads and all that sort of thing that we did. Having a chat with them today, mate. And uh, they're going to uh, sponsor a day at the uh, at the truck show while I'm there. So I'm going to wear a Queensland hat, you know, uh, a Queensland rail hat. Yeah. And uh, and um, we're going to do a little bit more for them and some safety stuff, you know, in the, in the future. They're going to do something with Yogi about oversized loads in metropolitan areas and stuff like that. I'm not sure Yogi ever gets into a metropolitan area with an oversized load, but we'll, we'll find out, I suppose. He probably does, well, yeah, You yeah. try to avoid it if you can. So since you're a bit on the taller side, are you going to mm. be watching out for bridge strikes within the within the convention centre? I will be, mate. I'll be watching out for low-hanging signage and things like that. There's nothing like walking around. You actually get that in a supermarket. When you walk around a supermarket, you you pole yourself on a bloody low-hanging sign or something? Oh, I don't. I do. Yeah, no, I, 
Can't say I do, just average height there, but I can imagine you you might. Nothing like walking around Woolies and smacking yourself in the forehead with a, with a sign in the fruit and veggie department or something. It's, it yeah, it right. makes you sort of start to pay attention to your surroundings. That happens a bit for you. Well, mate, I've got... I've actually got... I've, I've polled myself a few times. Rose actually finds it uh, wildly amusing every time I, I do it to myself. Um, I'm very good at doing it to myself, getting in and out of the truck and smacking the head across the bloody door frame on the top of the door on the truck. Have you ever done that? I have, actually, and, yeah, it was actually oh. loading, loading fertiliser one night into a into a cedar, and I jumped up, I think it was a little 401 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flew, yep, up, yep, flew yep. up in there and split my head open on that lovely little sharp point they got there. So it's like huh? mid, midnight, and the only thing I had to sort of help was a bit of paper towel and some um, insulation tape wrapped around my chin yep. and up around my head. Awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bit of um, that. That look really good. They look quite funny. Yeah. So I can imagine. Yeah. I think I've still got a lovely dent in the head there from from that. Yeah, I've got a I've got a few dents in the head. I, I, I tried to get up into the 901 night when it was raining in Ari and um, failed to estimate the height of the door and and I was wearing a wearing a baseball cap and you know the little button right in the middle of the baseball cap yep. top? Yeah. So it lined that up. But I couldn't have done it better if I'd tried <laughs> and pushed that into the top of my scone. Talk yeah. about bleed. Geez, those little scalp wounds can bleed. It's lovely, you know, when you feel that stream of blood yeah. running down next to your eye. Well, yeah. I thought my brain was coming out, you know. It was just well, it's one of those. We all know that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> Jesus. That's hardly, that's not nice, mate. Dear, oh dear. Well, you set yourself up for these ones. Oh, it's called leading with your chin, mate. I've been known to do it before. <laughs> I can imagine when you're losing a bit of claret, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. Any, oh, well. Anyway. Uh, hey, um, there's a lot of stuff going to be going on at the truck show this year. It's only 14 sleeps away for the uh, HVIA Brisbane truck show, mate. We're all going to be there. Wow, that's creeping up fairly quickly, isn't it? It is. I'm, I'm, I'm actually starting to look forward to it now, mate. You know the thing I'm looking forward to seeing the most? Let me in on this. The Lego truck. The Lego Mac Anthem. Right. I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's going to be there at the truck show. I'd assume it's electric. Well, it would have to be, I suppose. No, apparently the thing's full size. So you'll be able to, you know, I don't know if they'll let anyone do it, but you you can apparently sit up in the driving seat and there's uh, a steering wheel and everything in there. I'm wondering if they've used a windscreen out of an actual Mac Anthem for a windscreen. But I can't wait to see it because it's just an item of extreme curiosity to me that mm. that, that is you know, going to be there. What's the rating on it? What's the rate? Rating. Like, is it 90 tonnes? The, the Andy. The, oh, oh, yeah. I was going to thought you were talking about the ANCAP safety rating. Yeah, can we pull a road train with it or not? I, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be capable of pulling very much of anything. It's mm. going to be like a, a static display, mate. Lego, uh, Lego probably isn't. Uh, isn't rated, then HVR might have a problem with it and certainly the Australian standards wouldn't... It might be over width look. on the cab. Eh? Might be over width on the cab, is it? Might be over width on the cab, yeah. Mm. I don't know I don't know the story, mate, but we are going to see it. It'll be it'll be there for everyone to see and I'm actually quite looking forward to it. Yeah, right, eh? 
the, well, the whole fun. the whole uh, whole thing. Thanks for a big show this year. It is going to be a big show this year. There's a lot going on. It's the historic show. There's going to be the things down in South Bank. Um, a lot of music shows and things like that. Um, you'll be able to catch up with us up in the Plough Inn. I'm going to sort of set myself up in there and and uh, hopefully, you know, with a bit of help of it from our sponsors, NTI, do a few interviews and that, walk around, have a look at a few of the displays. Yogi's going to be down with Next Journey. Yeah. And uh, he'll be there with those guys and uh, our mate Simon. And um, I think uh, I think the first person that walks up to him and, and says uh, they've heard of the podcast or something like that, I think they're going to get a hack or something, I think he said. Yeah, right. So We'll have to we'll have to bail him up when he comes in. He had some bright idea anyway. Yeah, right. Eh? Away, we'll, we'll let him talk about that when yeah. he's um, when he's here, eh? When he when he's when he's here, but I'm mean, not looking forward to that. That's that's all going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, what else is going on, mate? What have you have you got anything that's interesting in your week? I know that you spent a bit of a while, a while laying under a truck with an airbag in today. Was that fun? Oh, for you? well, it, it's not my favourite thing anymore. I've got to be honest. Um, hey, yeah, no. I spent the night in Brisbane last night in Motel Kenworth. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, thought you were thought you were past all that stuff, mate. Oh, apparently I'm not. <laughs> but that's all right. Went went up there to check out the old girl and did you? Um, yeah, we did a little bit of maintenance while we were there and had a little bit of snooze. I don't know, the, did you get that uh, cooler bar, cooler mate, heater thing going on? Did for, you? for that truck, I can't rate that thing high enough. It's, yeah? It's fantastic, yeah. I love it. So. Yeah. yeah. Not that it was that oh. hot, but, you know, it just makes it a lot more comfortable. So, yeah. no, I spent the night up there and back home today. And a little bit of maintenance, a bit of paperwork, you know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just, just the way it goes. I'm, I'm afraid I don't do too much paperwork at the moment, mate. Yeah, good hard. We worry you don't do too much at all. <laughs> oh, look, mate, these, I'm terrible. These, I'm um, terrible with paperwork. I used to run my whole business in my head. Basically, used to drive my my other half nuts. Yeah, because I used to, you know, I wouldn't write things down. Yogi does it apparently as well. So I'm pretty sure that'd drive a man nuts. Mm. So anyway, so there's a bit of truck stuff coming up in the next few months, mate. You know, we've got. As we said, we've got the Brisbane Truck Show, May 18 to 21. And yeah. there's the Heritage Truck Association annual show at the Rockley Showgrounds on the 20th and the 21st as well. So that's the same weekend. Yeah. And then in June, there's the Putty Road Truck Drivers Memorial Service on June the 3rd at Millbrook Ale in New South Wales. When's Gatton and on? Gatton's on. Gatton? Is that in June? Oh, that's ages away, mate. Is Gatton. It? The lights on the Hill Convoy uh, at uh, Gatton is uh, September. Right, well, we'll be so, there too. Uh, we'll be there too. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the um, Casino Truck Show, of course, on August the 5th, we're going to be there in spades for that one, mm. um, as we know from last week. Of course, the Warhope Yesteryear Truck and Machinery Show is July 8th and 9th. Alexandra Ute and Rod show on June the 11th down in Alexandra in Victoria. So there's a little bit of stuff going on uh, for the trucking fraternity from a show point of view over the next few weeks, or a few weeks, next few months. Yeah, Hall of Fame. But, uh, 
Hall of Fame at the end of August, yeah. Do you know um, I'll have to retire and just go around to all those shows, I think. I reckon. Mm, I reckon just we'll, if I anyone here has got a lazy it. million they'd like to hand over. <laughs> I reckon that I reckon I could we could find a couple of blokes to set up a mobile studio and just roll around and, and yeah. broadcast broadcast from the truck shows and hand out merch and just basically I reckon we could spend a million, no trouble. Yeah. Well as long as it's got a fridge on it. We'd be right. Does it have to have a fridge, do you reckon? You've got to keep the beer cold. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, though. That's important. You've got to get your priorities right when yeah. you're going to go and do these things. Yeah. Anyway. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I'm looking forward to getting up and having a walk around in Brisbane anyway, going around and seeing some of the stands and yeah. uh, visiting a few of our friends that we've had on the show. Simon and Atlas Balance is going to be... There somewhere, I think we'll find him and yeah, James from Hubfleet. He's he'll be around. Yeah, no, everyone's going to be there. Anyone who's anyone's going to be there in uh, in Brisbane. Be there, I'll be square. I reckon you'll be struggling to get some accommodation now. Though I think pretty much everything will be booked up. Oh, well, I got mine booked. Yeah, I know you booked mine too. Oh, so we're, we're right. Looking over the Brisbane River. Yep. Yeah. And there's going to be a few little events. Obviously, stay tuned. We'll be broadcasting live from the show from time to time and doing a few pre-recorded bits and things like that. Yeah. Um, a lot of it will come up on the podcast feed as well as the radio feed. So yeah, um, shouldn't be too bad. We'll, we'll, we'll certainly do a bit. I've got it worked out now, you know. Which bit? Well, I can now record stuff on, on my uh, with my beautiful, like, sure microphone that I've got, and I can sort of send it straight through as a wave file. So it might not be live, but it'll be virtually instantaneous, you know. Yeah, I might have to take the studio up. Well, we, I think we should. We might go live from, from the apartment looking over the Brisbane River. Well, that'd be terrible, wouldn't it? Ooh, could be dangerous, yeah. actually, if the three of us are in the one room. Mm, anything could happen. Hey, uh, have you spoken to uh, Blondie about doing a, a girls' radio show? Have you done that? Yeah, she didn't seem real keen. Didn't she? No. I don't know. Is Rose, Rose, is pretty, Rose is pretty keen to do it. Right. And I think Amanda's pretty keen to do it. Oh, well. I don't know. I'm not speaking for Amanda. I'd have to ask Yogi about that. <laughs> maybe, maybe. That's like I said, there's only three things that scare me, mate. Amanda, Blondie, and mine. That's yeah. only three things in the world that scare me. So, well... We might have to have that conversation. She's probably listening upstairs and can't. Is she? So, I won't. I won't swear, but I know what she's no. probably saying. No. <laughs> I can't hear it, but I got headphones on. So. Don't you dare put her weights up for her, mate. And you want to tell her that the music selections last Saturday night were pretty good too. I enjoyed those. Well, that was a Hers. combination of Amanda's and and Colette's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, although we're all right. Music from the 80s, early 80s, 80s, late 80s and 80s. Oh, there's a bit of 90s so, in there. There's a bit of later stuff too. So, was there? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like, anyway. And you did well not to criticise. No, I wasn't allowed to criticise. Yeah. I was told to shut up. You know that. Yeah. Well, we might just uh, go to a quick song, a bit of Dragon. And yeah. um, we uh, shall return with a guest. And maybe are you going to go, go looking for Greg, are you, mate? Yeah, we're going to look for Greg. Why not? I reckon we can just sit in there and wait and pulling on the show is going to be all
back, everyone. We found Yogi and our special guest. Mike, would you like to introduce our guest? Well, Mr. Greg Casey is a former Highway Patrol officer. We won't say what state. Maybe you'll give it away later on. But he spent several years driving around with the angry lights flashing and generally uh, scaring the hell out of people when they looked in the mirror and they saw the brake lights come on. Um, he's doing some research. He's doing a PhD in policing. And uh, I want to know all about that. And I'm sure everyone else wants to know about it. Greg, welcome to the show, mate. How are you? Not too bad, thanks, Mike. Yourself? Oh, absolutely wonderful. We've got Craig Forsyth and, of course, our good mate Yogi Kendall here tonight with us as well. Say hello. Uh, hello, righto. Thank you. Thank you very much, Greg. Thanks for coming on. And we, we really look forward to, uh, to hearing what you've got to say about um, your project. So it's good yeah. that you're doing a lot, of, lot of, lot of work after being where you've been. And we, we know a little bit about your story. So, yeah. yeah, thank you for coming on. That's all right. Thanks for the opportunity. Craig, you're right. You're saying good day. Hey, mate, yeah. Yes, we've said, yeah. we've said hello. You've done that? Yeah. You've already done it? Yeah. Have like, we started the show? Or <laughs> like, yeah, like, no, 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 late again. No, you're, you're right. late. You're late, dude. Again, again, again. Maybe I'm running on WA time. You know, I get it. I'm, well, the sun is just going down and it's yeah. a beautiful afternoon here in the West. It's beautiful, yeah. isn't it? Anyway, Greg, I suppose we should start at the start, mate. How did you ever get to become a highway patrol officer? What drove you to do that? Well, I, I suppose when I first joined the cops in um, in 1987, um, I, I went into it with an open mind. Um, mm. all, all I knew at that stage was that I, I wanted to be a cop. Yep. Um, so I went into, into it with an open mind and I thought I'll just uh, see how the field uh, looks for a while and, and work out where I wanted to specialise. Um, but I, I finished up, uh, and I will give it away, it was New South Wales, um, yes. but, but I finished up working at a, um, a, a station in southwest Sydney um, that had what we called a decentralised rescue unit. Um, yep. and, and what that meant was there was only ever three of us on shift, um, and two, the two other guys that I worked with were qualified police rescue operators. Right. And what that meant was we were responsible for responding to every serious road crash where someone was trapped um, mm. in the southwest quarter of Sydney. And obviously that, um, you know, the, like attending every every serious road crash in southwestern Sydney when I was on duty um, really got my mind thinking about how these things can be prevented. Um, so so that sort of started me thinking down the, the highway the trial path. Um, but um, there was one particular accident that, that really concerned my, um, my career direction. Um, and, and it, it stays with me, and I don't know if anybody knows what a Honda Prelude looks like. But um, well, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, they were a car from the late '80s, early '90s, um, and they were kind of like a wedge shape. And um, the unfortunate thing about that was this: uh, with this particular accident, um, there, there was a family heading north in the Honda Prelude, and um, there was a, a young fellow with more than a few beers on board heading south, and, and he lost control of his car, and as his car rode up over the front of the uh, of the Honda, um, it oh. it collided with the driver and uh, and killed the driver, leaving oh. his wife and two kids trapped in the car with him. Yeah. Um, and and I reflected on that, and I thought, no, this is is really something that you know I feel I've got to be part of doing something about. Um, so that kind of determined my career path, and um, it, it it set me off on a path of doing what I can to prevent road trauma. 
that's uh, a terrible story, right? That really is a terrible thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it, it's one of those things. Like I said, it it, it stays with me, and and um, I'm quite sure that um, you know any any other truck drivers that have been in, involved in or or have witnessed accidents, um, it, it's just not something that goes away. Um, yeah. You, know, you 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 find ways and means of dealing with it, and um, and the good thing I suppose in this day and age is that there's there's lots of help out there if people are, are struggling um, you know, with, with the the mental health effects of this sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And I'll yeah, we're, we're a lot more anybody to do that. We're a lot more open about what we've seen now. I, I, I grew up in the local fire brigade at home, and as a 15, 16 year old, you're attending, you know, head on and roadside fatality. So we, you, you just went back to the station and you debriefed about it, and then you went to footy. You yep. know, whereas this day and age, we've got a lot more. And, and you, you, I guess you, you guys would have been the pioneers back in the day. You, you know, you would have seen a lot more than what any of us can imagine, and. Uh, yeah, and when it sort of led you to where you're heading today. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's I mean, it's it's something that always sticks in in my mind whenever I hear of a of a crash involving a truck. And um, yeah, as we know, most of the fatalities involving trucks, it's not the truck driver's fault. Um, but but one thing that strikes me is that one of the things that, that I first think about is you know, the the welfare of the of the people that have passed away and um, and the the emergency services attending, but also the truck driver that's involved, like. You know, the, the truck drivers don't come away from these things uh, unscathed. Um, you know, so I, I always like to, to think that, um, you know, the, the, the modern thinking around this, um, encourages drivers to, to actually go and, go and seek help, even if, uh, they don't feel they need it, um, just to go and debrief with a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. There's certainly no, no shame in that sort of thing. It's, it's all about looking after yourself. And by looking after yourself, you look after your family and, and your colleagues. So um, you know, I, I would encourage anybody that's um, been an unfortunate uh, witness to this sort of thing to, to follow that path. Yeah, and the people need to speak up if they're feeling something about it. I mean, I know from experience from my previous lives, it's been uh, been the nature of doing business that you get exposed to unpleasant things, and mm. you can't just hold it all in. You've got to, you know, you've got to go and get a bit of help. And, and we're pretty keen advocates on the on the mental health space, particularly on the podcast, but we will be on the radio station too soon. Yeah. And I think that uh, I think that it's important that we go ahead and, and do that. So you spent quite some time in a, in a uh, working as a, in general duties and that before you you worked in the, in the highway patrol, didn't you? Yeah, well, I had about um, three years in general duties, and um, like I said, a lot of that was was working at a station where I did, um, you know, attend in company with police rescue operators a lot of serious crashes. Um, but but my decision to go to the highway patrol um, that, that was back in 1990. So it had been about three and a half years of general duties before I, I specialised in in highway patrol, um, and I, I finished up. Um, Going and doing highway patrol course at St Ives as it was then. Um, yeah. the, the police had a, a driver training school up there before someone in the government realised how much the land was worth and sold it, yeah. um, and moved everything <laughs> to Goulburn. Um, <laughs> well done. But, um, yeah, but, but uh, <laughs> I, I was one of the last highway patrol courses to, to do the course up there. Um, yeah. But but I came out of that. Um, it, it was basically a, a week driving and then four weeks um, of traffic lectures and, and legislation. Mm. Um, and I basically came out of that knowing what a truck looked like and that was about it. 
Yeah. You know, they, they did their best in the time frames that we had. Um, but, but there was so much other stuff to focus on and, and our education on trucks at that time was, was very brief. Um, mm. But in amongst everything else you had to know and, and stuff you were being examined on, it, it quite often got lost. Mm. Um, and and I, I don't know that that has changed that much today in that Pie Patrol officers that are new to the field um, come out and they're, they're head swimming with all of this new information that they've had to digest and, mm. and be examined on. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of them come out with very little knowledge of how to deal with a truck. Um, and it, it's something that um, that I pursued, um, particularly when I went to the country in, uh, in 1995, when I went down to Wagga. Um, fortunately, there, there were, and there still are, a, a lot of really good high patrol officers um, in, that, in that area of the state um, that have a really deep-seated interest in, in this stuff. Um, and they're very knowledgeable, and um, you know the the way they carry out their duties is, is exemplary. So I, I sought those guys out, um, and fortunately, I, there was about um, you know six or eight of them that I was able to feed off and, and combine all of their information and knowledge into um, into my own knowledge base. And um, over time, it, you know, it took a number of years, but over time, I developed my knowledge to the point where. Um, I, I was confident in dealing with the truck. Um, I had to stay on top of it because, as we all know, the, the legislation and, and the industry changes rapidly, so mm. um, it doesn't take long to, to fall behind with that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but, but one of the sources that I used to use about changes in the industry was simply talking to truck drivers. Yeah, well, they'd be the first folks to know, wouldn't they, really? But... Well, yeah, and, and, and a lot of them, um, you know, were, were quite happy to, to share their experiences and knowledge. And, um, and you know, there, there was a lot of legislation, uh, legislative changes that, um, that I knew about, but it was very interesting and revealing to actually talk to the truck drivers about how it affected them. Yeah. Um, you know, wh- whether the legislation was going to help or whether it wasn't going to help or, um, you know, what they had to do to, to get their heads around it. Um, so, so it, it was very much um, a, a two-way learning. Uh, when I got to the stage of being able to talk to a truck driver and um, and point them in the right direction of how to comply with various things, um, there was a lot of feedback that I got from the truck drivers that really helped me to learn about the truck driver's perspective as well. I'm, I'm fairly sure you got some uh, some very positive and negative reinforcement from some truck drivers from time to time. <laughs> Oh, look, they might, they might not have always been happy to talk to you on that. <laughs> no, but, but look, when, when, I, when I reflect on the, the, my entire experience in the highway mm. patrol, um, obviously most of my engagement with motorists was with car drivers. Yeah. And, and I would find that um, around about 70% of the time, I would estimate, when you pull up a car driver, um, they, they want to argue or, or at least resist what it is that you're trying to tell them. Right, um, which, which quite often um, doesn't work out well for them um, <laughs> because, because our, our options are limited in regards to, I mean, well, from my perspective, um, it was all about trying to get someone not to do the same thing again. Yeah. And, and if yeah, having a true. conversation with them um, enabled them to do that, well, then my job was done. Mm. But, but if 70% of the people are going to argue with you and deny that what they've done, well, it limits your options in regards to how you can influence their behaviour in the future. 
I'm, I'm hearing some cynical yeah, yeah, uh, sort of laughing from the old mate Yogi. What do you got? No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's very interesting because, I mean, we, 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 like, I grew up, I started trucking in the late 90s and, and, I, and I was taught if you cop a flogging in the schoolyard, take it. Yeah. But if you don't, you know, you sort of work through the process, you know. So so if, I, if you're doing something dumb, basically, if you're doing something dumb, you cop it on the chin, you know. Yeah. Like, so yeah. it, it, it surprises me how people, when they've done something wrong, they don't see the light. They don't realise what they've yeah. done. Like, you know, we're all there. To, well, and, 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 Mike, you talk about this all the time, but the visual on-road presence of highway patrol is the yeah. best thing that can happen anywhere. Yeah. Absolutely anywhere. And, and we all agree. So, so we kind of hope that people, you know, are really, I hope that truck drivers have been good and, and I hope that Highway Patrol have been good and I hope that we come out of it okay. <laughs> well, I, I know that seeing a Highway Patrol car is the surest way to get a car to do 10 kilometres an hour under the speed limit. Works well, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 Works a treat. It's funny, um, it's funny enough, in, in the West, Greg, we, we still got, we've still got that good working relationship with the local police. Right. Yep. There's no, there's no angst over here towards highway patrol or to anyone. Like the, mm. the police, will, will, last time the police pulled me over, they wanted to know exactly what you were talking about. I reckon, what's mm-hmm. the go with this? What, why are you carting that? And what, are, what are your boundaries and oversights? And you, you know, and 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 I was, it was just really a, a roadside, you know, pull over, and it was yeah. great. But we ended up on Twitter within two minutes. You know, and Yogi's, oh, Yogi's done some bad things, but it wasn't. It was purely, you know, we were chatting away about oversize in an area and the speed limit and what it was. So it was fantastic. So so we, we love it over here. The, the highway patrol and the police over here are fantastic to deal with in the West. And but we never, you, never have issues. Having yeah. said that, though, Yogi, the, the very difference between what happens in the West and the enforcement of fatigue management on the eastern states is yeah. very different. The police in WA Correct. don't enforce laws books, whereas over here they do. Correct. Mm. Yeah, creates... and then you end up in a grey, grey area over yeah. there, and, and that brings a lot of because you know you look at you look at you know older people that have been doing it the way they think it's right, mm. and then when you prove that you should have ticked that box, not that box, yeah. or or as simple as ripping out the yellow copy instead of the pink copy in it, like what? A, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all, and and, oh, and that's where the grey becomes grey. Mm. It becomes a little bit harder. Grey, yeah. what did you want to add something there? Who's that, me? Yeah, <laughs> I, just, oh, I, just, I mean, it's a topic right. we could talk talk about for months. You know, yeah. I I don't understand how the, the the punitive or financial penalty is so high for such minimal. Um, for the want of the better word here, an offence. Like, mm. if I, I could cop this on the chin, if mm. you worked at a takeaway shop and you were 15 minutes late for your break, you copped a fine. <laughs> I, I could live with that. And, and I, oh. now, now, if you bring this out and say, well, if, if it's about, you know, it's so rigid that, Everybody cops that. That'll be fine. We'll all live by that rule. But yeah. I can understand if you're, you know, you're doing it for hours and hours and it's consistent and there's a pattern there. But for 
for a driver to cop a $470 fine for a 15-minute overlap, which the book can be fairly complex at times, particularly if you're working under BFM or to the limit of your hours, mm. but mm-hmm. in no way are you fatigued. Mm. So the law says yeah. that you shouldn't drive fatigued, and that should be enough to, yeah. you know, and I think Greg would agree that he's probably been in situations where you don't have to write an infringement for it because it's obviously a one-off and someone's actually made a mistake. So yeah. if, if it's repetitive behaviour and it's endangering somebody, you know, fine. Different, but, different story. You know, the amount of times that I have um, had hours in my book to drive, but it would have been ridiculous for me to drive because I'm tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I pull up, and I think that's the golden rule. Um, yeah. But the WA rules go. Book yeah. says go, but the body yeah. says no. So anyway, we yeah. could talk for hours about that. But yeah. It, well, what are your thoughts on it, Rick? Well, look, um, just what Craig was saying in, re- in regards to the repetitive behaviour, um, and, and, and when I speak, um, if we if we could remember, I'm speaking for myself. Like, I, I can't speak yeah, for, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. for every yeah. high patrol officer in the state. Yeah. They all have their own motivations and opinions and perspectives. Yeah, um, and you can't be in my... every situation as well. Like, there is very different situations that the high right. patrol will end up in. Mm. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. But the... Like one one of the big things for me was um, you know, if I went through somebody's work diary, um, until they, you know, say they they'd forgotten to sign the page, um, yeah. until that had occurred, you know, more than three times, uh, yeah, I, I mentioned it, but I, I didn't start thinking about issuing an infringement notice until there was at least more than three there, mm. um, and and what I found was was most of the time. You know, you, you, I, I could talk to the driver about it, and and it was just a, you know, an oversight. Um, but by drawing it to their attention, you know, perhaps um, you know they, they might think a bit more about it and be more conscious of it. Um, you know, if it happened ten or fifteen times, well, then there was probably going to be a ticket issued. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the, the thing with with drivers, uh, with sorry, with truck drivers as opposed to car drivers, when, when I mentioned previously, seventy um, percent of car drivers. You know, wanting to sort of dispute the the facts of the matter, um, it, it was only about ten percent with truck drivers. So, like ninety percent of my interactions with truck drivers were all positive. Yeah. And the good the good thing about that was that if if the um, if it was a positive interaction, the, the it was much more open to a conversation about how to avoid certain things in the future, whether it was a, a work diary or a um, you know, a driving offence or a load offence or whatever. Um, if, if they were calm and collected and polite and respectful, mm. it opened the door to a conversation. And so those sort of traffic stops um, usually worked out a lot better for the driver than what they mm. would have if, if they jump out with a big mouth and bad manners as they used yeah. to. Yeah, well, the, the so-called attitude test. Yeah, um, absolutely. The, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I learned very early on that it was never a good idea to the bloke with the, argue with the bloke with the ticket book in his hand. <laughs> and, you know, I've had, I've had a text message from a driver who said how many thousands of lives have been saved because we've had tickets written for clerical errors or cracked clearance light lenses. <laughs> um, yeah. oh, it's, not. It's, a, it's a bit cynical. It's a bit cynical, I yeah, know. But, I know, but, I know. You know um, I, I think a lot of that would come down to the attitude test, wouldn't it, Greg? Oh, certainly. Look, there, there's been some some fairly minor tickets that I've, I've issued over the years, but um, mm. 
that was simply because you know I, I couldn't get through to the driver, and whether yeah. it was the driver of a car or a truck, yeah, um, you know, there were some trivial stuff that was issued, but that was purely because there was no other way of dealing with the matter yeah. um, by virtue of the of the driver's attitude. Yeah. But anyway, mate, double double one northbound out of the cutter. <laughs> yeah. Windstream yeah. southbound. Do you know what we're talking about now, do you, mate? Oh, I, I, I do know, but it took a few years. When, when, I, when, I first, when I first got the water, I, I, I hadn't had much experience with the UHF, but I, um, I, I turned, it, turned the UHF on when I was driving northbound through Tarkata one time, and, and that was yeah. what I heard, and I thought, what the hell, you know. Um, so you did, you did have UHF, did you, you do listen? Oh no. yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, and and I like I've, I've actually got one in my private car now because yeah, yeah main, main, mainly I I use that for when I go away four wheel driving with my mates. But yeah, um, yeah. but I, I find yeah. it very handy if there's some. Uh, when I was driving to Liverpool yesterday and there was a hold up on the Hume Highway, um, so I just flicked it on and was able to find out from all the truck drivers exactly what was going on and where the <laughs> where the delay was. Yeah. Um, so that that helped yeah. me, but. From a from a policing perspective, um, once I got to, to learn the language, like I was trying to, you know, like trying to learn Vietnamese when I first started. But, um, but, but where, well, where it hasn't, uh, the Hume Highways wasn't there eight hundred different calls like you know Northbound Clayton Divide, Southbound yeah. Logbook, yeah. you know yeah. Northbound Rocket Horse. Like isn't yeah. there a million? There should be a book written about that. Oh, there, there, there is. Like there, there's, there's places like you know, Aeroplane, um, and yeah, I don't know. Money, 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 money. Um, into the south. Yeah, <laughs> Snowball, Little Sydney Arbor, all those sorts of places. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I think Little Sydney Arbor. Little Sydney Arbor is getting a bit overgrown, so it's a bit harder to see now. But um, yeah. but yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I think everybody knows where it is at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but how did you, um, you know, it's, it's like Highway Patrol mid nineties? Now, fair to say, the mid nineties, there was a lot going on. Mid to late nineties, there was a lot of fast trucks. There was a yeah. lot happening in the trucking industry in the mid to late nineties. Yep, yep, yeah. Did, was it a? Did did you see a lot of that, or how was it across in the force? Because I, I mean, I, I remember picking up the border mail and the ten truck crash in the fog, you know, was yeah. kind of evident every other week, you know, because yeah. I, I lived in Wangaratta. So I lived on the on the big super highway. So I was, uh, I started my trucking career in, in the late, so oh, yeah, probably, yeah, late morning. Yeah, okay. you, you were a super trucker at one stage, weren't you? Yeah, yeah oh, well, true, yeah, running up and down. And uh, I, I tried, I, I figured out real quick, I started with Green Freight when I was just turned 21 and I was running the bottom end and then, I figured out how to do oversize and then we started running off the road, running up the Newell and running North Queensland and top end. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of, I kind of, uh, I avoided the Hume. I didn't particularly like running the Hume, but, but it was a very, very different era in the, in the mid to late nineties and early two thousands. Know? Yeah, absolutely. And there was a lot of the Hume highway that, that wasn't divided like it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, um, to, to give you an example in regards to some of the speeds, we, we used to, to go out there some nights. Um, and we'd, we'd park by the side of the road in certain areas. Um, and sometimes the speeds were that frequent and that high that if they were doing any less than 140, we didn't worry about them. 
We were looking like 140 was the lower limit that we were looking for, and we always came back for something. Um, wow. but, but by that stage, we usually found you know, the, the truck was um, obviously the speed limiter had been played with. Yeah. Um, but, but also, we found most of the time those kind of drivers um, were, were on speed. Um, mm-hmm. Not just yeah. physical speed, but they were on the, the white powder yeah, stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, and that that sort of caused all sorts of problems for them when we had to um, take them back to uh, to the Wagga Base Hospital for a blood and urine sample, and then charge them and put them before the court. Mm. Um, and it was always an interesting thing to um, once we got back to the police station, um, letting them ring the boss and just hearing them try and explain to the boss what had happened. Yeah, that would have been a fun thing. Yeah, there's a TV show in that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, the, the bosses were were really very happy. You know. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. someone got uh, someone got pinged in a Scania, I think, doing 120 on the flat down in Victoria a couple of months ago. Right. Um, and, and I mean, obviously, a clear cut case of pull the fuse out of the in the in the dashboard, which. Everyone knows you can do so. I don't mind saying it. Mm. Um, but certain, there seems to be a certain level of stupidity involved once you start doing that sort of thing. I mean, yeah. yeah, look, absolutely. And and, and I, I refer back to why I joined the Highway Patrol. And, and yeah. um, there, there was always a sense of satisfaction from taking somebody like that off the road because mm. they were clearly an accident just looking for somewhere to happen. And it was mm. going to be a, a bloody big accident at that speed. Yeah. Um, and um, and by taking them off the road, there was a, a certainly a level of personal satisfaction from um, knowing that we, you know, prevented what was no doubt, you know, going to be a, a fatality. So, what were you driving as a highway patrol car back then? Um, we had a range of, of Commodores and um, Holden Commodores and Ford Falcons. Um, yeah. I, I've got to admit, I, I finished up being a, a, a Ford person. Um, yeah. I, I did yeah. see a really cool photo of an X. XRA? Yeah. Didn't you have an XRA Falcon there? What did I see a picture yeah. of that one? Yeah, yeah we, yeah. we, we, we had, signed um, up with mags on it, looking beside the road. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, that was one of the, one of the photos I've, I've used. Um, yeah. but we, we had then, we also had um, the XR6 Turbo, which was yeah. probably the, the better of the two because it had less weight over the front end, so the steering was a bit more direct. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a, a funny story I can tell in regards to the cars. When, when I came back to Sydney, we had a couple of um, uh, show cars. Um, one was a, a GT Falcon and there was a, um, a um, an SS Commodore. And they took them up to, to Bathurst for the for, uh, for a, a demo, uh, sorry, a, um, uh, um, like a, 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 a show set up um, yeah. for, the, for the Bathurst 1000. Oh yeah, and and um, Dick Johnson had actually his team had done some work on the Ford, and yep. um, Dick thought he'd take it for a drive around the track just to test the work they'd done, and um, as he's come back into the pits, um, they there was a line of, of V8 supercars doing the um, you know, the the ride days you now for the for the customers to go for a ride in a in a oh, um, yeah, 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 V8 yeah, supercar. Yeah. So Dick yeah. Dick pulled into the pits behind this line of V8 supercars and four people have just jumped in the highway car. Yeah. <laughs> so, so said, oh, all right. and, and he's done a, done a couple of laps in the highway car, but on coming down Conrad Strait, burnt the brakes out 
on the yeah. thing. <laughs> so, managed to pull it up, and and from what I'm told, the um, the the V8 supercar was wheeled out of the DJR pit, and they went and repaired the brakes on the highway car. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and I can well believe that DJR would do something like that too. And, yeah, and, and Big Dick would have loved it as well. Is it? I, I think he did. He was impressed. Yeah, but, I can imagine. Yeah. But, um, but I, I think that uh, that got us some uh, some good brownie points for the, the motoring public up there. Yeah. Well, it always does. I mean, every every time you bring out a highway patrol car and 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 they interact with you in a human way rather than you're about to get a ticket wage, mm. the, the PR's got to be brilliant, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and it's sort of like after the truck drivers. We, you, know, you, you sort of end up thinking we're just lumps of metal going down the road. Well, we're not. Everybody's human and living and has things going on, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, every time you can interact and every time there's a good interaction, I've always walked away feeling positive about, you know, about what we're doing or what, what you know, what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And, and look, one thing I I often tell people and, and try and get the message out is how helpful truck drivers were in my time, particularly on the Hume Highway, Um and this is where the, you know, my, my being able to speak truck on the UHF came in really handy. Mm. Um, we, we would often get, for example, um, people look out for messages from police radio for a car that was driving dangerously or, you know, wanted for some sort of an offence. Mm. And so we'd pop out of the highway and there's already a thousand pairs of eyes up and down the Hume. So we just yeah. asked the truck drivers, have you seen a you know, red Commodore, for example? Oh, yep. Mm. You know, he was, he passed me about a kilometre back. So yeah. it would give us an idea of where this car was, um, and and many other circumstances like um, you know you know when we were looking for an accident, particularly at night, there was a lot of mm. incidents where you know the car would roll off the road into a bush or down an embankment, and mm. when we're driving along in our car, we can't see it, but with the elevated mm. position of the truck drivers, they can, and they know exactly mm. where it is, mm. so they yeah. direct us to the accident site so we could get the ambos there and and um, you know. Get the get the accident sorted out, which would have been a delayed process if we didn't have that help. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's always struck me as wildly amusing, Greg, that we've we've had police on horses, we've had police police on bikes, we've had we've got police on segways, we've got police in cars, we've got police on patrol, but I've yet to see a policeman sitting up in the uh, in the cab of a truck. Wouldn't it be interesting to have a policeman sitting up in the cab of a truck with a radio with a couple of evil canables, for example? <laughs> Um, writing a few tickets for some of the stupidity that happens in front of trucks. I think, yeah, look, I think that's I, actually like, happened, hasn't it, Greg? Oh, yeah, I, I was just about to say, I, I think I remember seeing reports of that from, oh, it, it would have been... <coughs> Goulburn? Late, late, well, it would have been late 70s, early 80s, I think, and I, and I think it might have been up on the Pacific Highway. Right. Um, I'm not yeah. sure. I'll... I'll um, I'll have a dig back through my archives and see if I can find anything, Mike. And if I can, I'll send it to you. Yeah. But, um, but I'm I'm pretty sure that was that was um, you know that that's been done. But and I don't know why it didn't continue. Mm. Um, but but it's it's not a new concept. But certainly I agree. It would certainly be uh, well worth trying. Well, to, to play the devil's advocate, would 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 the companies involved cop a fair amount of backlash? Well, that that would be. Um, I, I would suspect they probably would, and, and obviously yeah. in this day and age there would have to be workplace health and safety issues um, associated with that. So the the actual fine tuning would be um, above our level. Um, mm, yeah. But, but the, the concept, um, you know, would be worth exploring. I think. 
yeah. old plain white Kenworth on a plain white trailer <laughs> with a bloke like, I don't know, yours truly or someone else employed to just drive the thing up and down with a uniformed policeman with a radio sitting in the passenger seat at yep. rocket science. Yeah, oh, no. well, it, it, I, I'm glad he suggested you'd be driving, Mike, because if it was a highway patrol officer, he'd probably want to turn the thing around and go after someone. So. Yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you what, let, let's, let's just open her up a little bit, put a wire on it, mate. We can make that happen, no doubt at all. I, 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 no, I, no, no, we're not talking about that. We're back to the thesis now. Come on, there's been in here, gentlemen. Like, now, now, what are you doing now, Greg? Because you, you're led into some really interesting stuff. We've got to pull Mike up. Oh, no, we've got to... I mean, the other day, he put a wire on his lawnmower and mowed his lawns in two minutes. He got it done, you know. So, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got about all he's been doing lately. Hang on for a second. Doing the vacuuming. Hang on for a second, Yogi. I've got two listener questions that have been texted to me to ask, right? Right, right. So right, we've got to, and it's related to this bit of the conversation. So we've got to get this out of the road first. Right. We might have a, what do you reckon? Maybe we might have a bit of a break because Greg's, Greg's probably tonguing for a, a glass of water or something. I know I am. <laughs> And, right. mate, there's two questions. The first one, what's the world record, mate? What's the fastest truck you've ever pulled up? Oh, well, well there's, there's three answers to this question. Um, right one, one being physical, one being potential, and one being on paper. Um, right the, the fastest truck I ever actually pulled up was doing yep. 152. Um, kilometres an hour. 152 okay. kilometres an hour on a single-lane section of the Hume Highway back in the day. Wow. Um, and and that, that didn't end well for him. Right. Um, the fastest potential truck I ever got, um, but part, some of the training I undertook was how to, to download the ECUs of the trucks. So I used to be one of those guys that would plug into the truck and work out how fast it would go. And um, right. the fastest one that I ever saw there was set up to do 176. Wow. Um, but, but the fastest logbook entry I ever saw, and, mm. and this arose from a, a simple time and distance location, um, this guy said he was at point X, yeah. Um, but one minute earlier, he'd been detected on safety cam at point Y. Right. And if he was going to get from point Y to point X in one minute, he would have had to achieve a speed of 2,250 kilometres <laughs> <laughs> an hour. So we were, we were pretty confident that was a false work diary entry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you think? <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, make, sure, make sure four minutes look pretty tame, Yogi. Oh no, my three three minutes was good. We we worked it out. It was just purely a time difference. Everybody worked through that process, and we're all happy days on that one. So uh, it was a fair amount going on that day, and uh, yeah, so not not on my behalf. I was yeah. I was casual. I was West Sound. It was life was good, but there was, mm. was a lot on that particular day in history. There was a lot going on. I've got a uh, a photo of my GPS. Uh, and you know how it sometimes re records what the top speed is while the GPS is running before you reset it. Mm -hmm. And I've got yeah. one that says 546 kilometres an hour. I'm fairly sure that was a satellite error. You reckon? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my 90 wouldn't do that, mate. <laughs> QF90 flight leader for Brisbane. My he was, mate. QF909. Yeah. South of the cutter. <laughs> I think is it's always a, is, it's always funny a, when you when you have a look at some data from the previous day just to see what someone's been up to and and apparently that you know within um, three seconds they went to South America and back again. Awesome. 
it's yeah. great stuff, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting with the the, the paper speeds um, on on the work diaries. Um, it, it was always fairly simple to work out, just a, a simple time and distance calculation. Um, and, and a lot of guys seemed to, well, not a lot, but, but some of the guys that I dealt with would tie themselves in knots by they'd get to the end of the day, for example, and realise they were half an hour over. Yeah. Um, and then cut half an hour off. But what that meant was um, there, there was one guy I recall uh, went from point A to point B in an hour. Yeah. But, it, but his odometer reading showed he'd done 180 kilometres an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then he realised he was half an hour over, so he made that hour half an hour, <laughs> which meant that he'd done point A to point B in 360 kilometres an hour. Awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, so... So there's there's quite often um, you know not much of a thought process that goes through um, you know where, when they're they're trying to sort of work out the work diary. There's some special <laughs> trickery in it sometimes. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> there's a bit of trickery in it sometimes. Yes, yes, but it, it probably stands out more than perhaps some people realise. Mm. Well. Just to think back in the day when I was a young fella, there might have been a young fella that looked like me that used to manage a couple of like log books and. Mm. <laughs> anyway, that's a long story. I think I'm past the statute of limitations, or at least I bloody hope I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, the, the key factor in oh, it is to manage your fatigue. Well, that's we did key that was the thing. You go to bed. It was just it was just the way we rolled. Mm. Mm. Are we going yeah. to have a tune and then come back? Are we, mate? We've got we half an hour or so to go with uh, with Greg. Yeah, right. We'll you go want to do that? out a bit of a tune here. Uh, yeah, bit of Georgia satellites, eh? Why keep, not? Keep your okay. hands to yourself. <laughs>
welcome back, everybody. We are back. We are back. If you want to have a talk with Greg, the former Highway Patrol officer, you can call in 0491 825 633. That's 0491 825 633. Or you can just continue to text me on my number, which is what everyone seems to be doing tonight for some reason. Giving you some um, punishment, okay. eh? eh? Giving you a bit Sorry? of punishment. Well, you know. I suppose everyone knows what my bloody phone number is, don't they? So, yeah. So, you want me to text you, Mike? You can do that. Why not? Everyone else is. No, no. Hmm. I've had half a dozen more texts in the whole time. Oh, I've got... so, so, You're a popular lad tonight, aren't you? It's driving me crazy. I'm, I wish they were sending me pictures or something like that. Hey, uh, Greg, when you're driving around and you're out there, the next question that they want to know the answer to was right. what's the car record, mate? What's the fastest? Oh. <laughs> oh. We're talking about speed. Well, talk, yeah. talk to me about speed soon because I've got a story yeah. about it. Yeah, okay. Greg? Yep. Well, uh, the fastest car that we got um, mm. on, on radar was 100 and I think 82. Right. Um, and then when we turned around and went after him, um, he was pulling over 200. Um, and then it was only because of a bend in, in the dual lane section of the Hume Highway that he backed off a little bit, yep. um, and then we were able to, to make ground on him and, um, and catch him up. Um, oh, and um, wow. at, at that speed, um, he had an appointment with the magistrate the very next day. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he did. Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I, suppose, I suppose, I mean, and I hate to say this to you at this point, but it's the next question that's been asked to be made. Yep. How come you guys get to go faster than these clowns to catch them? <laughs> well, look, if, if we didn't, we wouldn't be able to catch anybody. Um, yeah. You know, we, we've we've um, done uh, a fair bit of high-speed driver training, yeah. um, and, and that's not just about driving fast. It's about um, knowing the right time to back off, um, yeah. and there certainly are plenty of times where, where I've pulled out of something because I'm just not comfortable and it's just too bloody dangerous. Hey, good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and I'm sure I'm yeah. You know, like there, there's other highway patrol colleagues that I've worked with that have done the same thing, um, and no one ever has an issue with that. Um, it, it's yeah. all about assessing the the safety of the situation um, yeah. and and constantly updating your safety assessment, um, which, which is something that I, I think a lot of the the big speeders that we used to get um, they they're not conscious of. Um, yeah, you know, they well, they into it for as fast as they can go. Well, it comes down to the fact that, I mean, the, the danger level on a two-lane cement-divided road like the new highway yep. and driving through the back streets of Cootamundra um, yep. is probably a very, very different assessment that you'd make on the day and the time of day and the weather conditions and yep. everything else. And Yeah, and, and, and even the same streets on, on a different day, um, mm. you, you might take a different approach mm. um, because of things like the weather or the traffic or... Or whatever, so that, so there's constantly assessments being made. Mm. Um, you know, having said that, there are exemptions from um, from uh, the, the Australian road rules in regards to a lot of what police do. Yeah, um, yeah, that but um, yeah, that, that doesn't exempt them from everything. Well, it doesn't um, exempt them from being sensible, does it? No, no. Well, and and um, yeah, and, and at the end of the day, um, yeah, my objective was to go home in one piece. Yeah, of course. Um, and yeah, if, that meant, if that meant someone got away from me, well, so be it. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, look, oh, I know yeah. it's a tough question, and it's a it's a tough question to ask. And 
know, we, we sort of pride ourselves on we'll ask and talk about anything. And thanks for answering mm. it, mate. That's all right. It sort of comes down to it. Of course, yeah. the next question, the next question is, does, does cleavage make a difference, mate? I've never been I've never been intimidated or, or, or put off by some guy's cleaving. Um, <laughs> in a blue singlet. And you would have seen it. Well, you know you would have seen it. There is absolutely no doubt. The blue singlet, you would have got a bit of side boob in your yeah, time, I'd imagine. Yeah, that's right. Oh my goodness. It, it, uh, it, it, it never influenced my decision. So. <laughs> Next question, Your Honour. Jesus, <laughs> oh, I've lost, I've, I've lost the Yagi takeover. I've got tears. <laughs> Boy, hey, we're, we're, we're dealing our young boy sits on his horses and he's, um, he, he, his sister was in the car and he's gone a little bit quick in the town zone. So we've just taken his car for him for a month. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, we, we were talking the other day on the radio, you know, we're talking about being a parent and not your friend, Mike. Mm. Yeah. We're not mates at the moment with the young bloke. Yeah. Like he's just 17 and we've mm. just gone, no, you, you can't be speeding in town. That's the dumbest thing, what well, dumb, full stop. Yeah. You know, like, so he's, we've just taken his car and taken his keys off him. So he's, Ooh. at the moment, he's walking to work. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. He wouldn't yeah. be happy with you. Well, no, it's, well, it's, I mean, it's a very impressionable age. Week. Yeah, 17 in the West. So you get the P's in 17 in WA. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's, it's a very impressionable age, and um, if you can knock it out of them now, um, it'll it'll uh, keep them safe for a long time. Mm. Yeah. Right. So that's, yeah, we, we, there's a lot of people saying that he's going to probably just get in the car and go flat out when he gets his, you know, when we give the keys back. But, well, I don't know, one of his aunties and uncles said that, but I don't know whether it's right or wrong. But yeah. so what, have you had anything to do with young kids? You know, because I asked, I asked out my young bloke when he got his license. We, we made him sit down and watch 10 road trauma videos. Yeah, oh, dear, oh, dear. Mm. Yeah, I know, there was tears in my eyes when I'm watching, mm. you know, an 18-year-old, watching an 18-year-old person get killed in the passenger seat from literally just being there. Yep. Well, there's yep. nothing else. They did nothing wrong. You know, so, and, and I don't know what he took in or what he didn't take in because we, we absolutely grilled him on it. But it, is that an, an element to the licence, you know? Like, he didn't seem to think that they asked questions about that or is there any shock and awe? How do you how do you stop kids from being in that impressionable age? Yeah, look, I, I think it's, it, it's a, lot, a lot to do with the, the environment they live in and, and the attitude of their mates and their peers, but also um, the attitudes of their parents as well. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there's there's been some research done that that demonstrates that um, that, that kids are very impressionable at that age, or, or young adults are impressionable at that age, and they will often copy what their parents do. So if they see um, yeah. you know, dad, dad driving down the road without a seatbelt on and, and speeding through town, well, they they grow up thinking that that's okay. Um, yeah. So can so confirm I, that, I haven't done that. Can can <laughs> confirm. <laughs> like, I'm not that old. I'm very proud of that I've got a full book of points and, I, and what I do. You know, yeah. 180,000 Ks a year and I've got my 12 points. I'm very, yeah. very proud of my... That, that's I'll probably lose one tomorrow. But anyway, that's yeah. what I'll talk about. No, that, that's that's yeah. certainly something to, to be proud of. And, it, and it's a good example yeah. to set for, for other yeah. drivers, like other truck drivers, as well as, as you know, young kids that are... Um, yeah. contemplating the, the limits of what they can do in a car for the first mm. time. And, and yeah, like when we're, when we're 17, um, yeah, we're all, you know, 
10 foot tall and bulletproof and it won't happen to us, it only happens to other people. But yep. um, you know, unfortunately, increasingly, there's a lot of young kids out there that uh, that are experiencing road trauma, if not firsthand, but certainly secondhand, when some of their mates go you know, um, go and get involved in a, in a crash. And um, you know, they might not, their, their mates might not be injured, the, the, the kids might not be injured, but if they've injured or killed someone else, um, that, again, is something they're going to live with forever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, we, uh, uh, I, I got, I'm turned 18 in 94, so I'm showing my age in mid-40s. Uh, I remember being at high school in Druin High School in Victoria, and we had we had someone come to the school, and I don't, I don't remember who it was. I, I remember it was an officer of some description, but I also remember the fact that he said, look around the room. He said, out of 150 kids, one of, one of you are not going to make it to your 18. Yeah. You know, mm. and then you yeah. sort of look around and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. which ones are going to yeah. be? And that was 94. So I don't know if, are we a little bit delicate with our kids at the moment? Should there be a little bit more of that? Because we, we, we've, we've done it and we're the worst parents in the world, but we're not going to tolerate speeding in town, especially with your sister in the car. And, and, yeah. and look, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're done for speeding in town because you've got your 14-year-old sister beside you. She's yeah. going to lag on you at every opportunity. Yeah, we yeah, have um, so, we have so yeah. many more distracted drivers now too. Yeah, like, it's yeah. not it's not just yeah. the fact that you're coming to town speeding, or or speeding around town. It it's everybody else around you that's not paying attention. Like I live mm-hmm. in a fifty zone on the edge of town, and the the speed that people do past my house is is shocking sometimes. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, and yeah. and all it takes yeah. is a distracted driver, and you know it, it's someone's life and. I think that's where sometimes as drivers or professional drivers, we see these accidents and and it scares you. So like what we did as children or, or young adults, you know, was a bit different back then. Now we've seen the results of what happens and how it can be prevented. And, you know, mm. I've, I've begged my children to slow down because I don't want to go to their funeral. Yeah, um, but we, I mean, we never had phones growing up driving though, did we? No, no, you no, were concentrating. We, yeah. Now, if you were doing yeah. 150 down the country road, being a bit of a, a bit of a goose, you're doing it and you're concentrating. Nowadays, you're probably mm-hmm. trying to trying to film it on um, TikTok That's or something. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We're all yeah. In the it's all another world, isn't it? Yeah. If I could, could just extend the distraction thing one step further, it's not just yeah. distracted drivers; it's distracted pedestrians particularly yeah. in towns um, and particularly, yeah. say, Saturday night when they're not only distracted by their phone but they're distracted by alcohol or whatever else they're on. Yeah. Um, and, and even if um, you know, if someone's doing 65 in the 50 area and, and hits a pedestrian and kills them, even though there's contributory factors on both sides, it still affects the surviving driver because that's something they're going to live with for the rest of their life. Yeah. Yeah, well, there was a video. there was a video that was on social media last week and it was a a bloke driving down a Melbourne street in his car and he was obviously paying attention and this kid ran out from the side in front of him. Dad was painting a fence or something off to the left and the kid ran out in front of the car. Bloke hit the picture. Now, he did bump the kid and knock him over, uh, or her over, sorry, and the, uh, the, the, the father rushed out and smacked his fist into the bloke's car and blamed the bloke in the car. Mm. Um, oh. I mean... Obviously, if he'd been speeding, it could have been a much worse outcome. Yeah. But it, you know, 
perhaps if he'd been supervising his kid, it might have made a difference as well. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah But the reality of it is, is that everyone's looking for someone to blame, aren't they, these days? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I suppose that, you know, gets back to, to why I, I appreciated interacting with truck drivers most of the time yeah. because car drivers were inclined to blame everybody else under the sun for whatever they've been pulled up for. But the truck drivers, you know, 90% of the time, were, were happy to, you know, acknowledge what had occurred and and discuss a plan to how, how to avoid doing it again. Mm. And look, mate, we've, we've, we've got sort of 10 minutes to go for the agreed yeah. time. <laughs> tell have you tell us what you're doing, mate. You, we haven't even talked about your research. Are you oh, right no, to sort of I stick know, with I it know. to the... Yeah, I mean, God, Kate, this is a great conversation. It is. Are you yeah. right to stick with us a bit longer, or do, or do you have a bit time? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm right to stay on. No, we'll get, get right. to the point. Get to the point. Yeah. There's, All there's right. a very good reason why we're here tonight. Yeah, we, right. we, we want to talk about the research that you're, you're doing, this PhD in policing. First yeah. of all, before we get into the into the nuts and bolts of it, mate, mm-hmm. what, is the, what is the point of the study you're doing? What are you hoping that you're going to be able to do down the track as a result of the research you're doing? Well, what I want to do is to delve into, I mean, it, it, it's well known, as, as I'm sure you guys would be aware, um, mm. and, and anybody listening would be aware, that despite all of the effort that's been put into fatigue management over the years, it's still a big problem for the industry. Yeah. Um, yeah so, so whether that means um, you know, people are, are coming unstuck and having accidents or, um, you know, whether, whether it's a there's no injury or whether it's a fatality or even even when it's difficulty trying to manage um, their fatigue in, in how they drive a motor vehicle, it's still a major issue for the industry. Yeah. Um, and there's been years and years of, um, of research regarding the effects of fatigue and what causes fatigue. But what I want to delve into is the effectiveness of um, driver fatigue policy and, and legislation. Um, you know, I, I want to get to the, the nub of, of you know, what works for a truck driver in regards to compliance with fatigue legislation mm. and why does it work, um, what doesn't work for them and why doesn't it work. Um, and from, from all of that information, I, I, um, I would like to produce something that will tell us, um, you know, answer those questions um, and, and Develop a pathway to um, to a policy and a practice and legislation that that will actually make a difference. Now, um, yeah, as as I've explained to people before, yeah, as academic academics, we can conduct research and and provide policy options, but it's up to politicians to create the laws and rules. It's up to the bureaucrats to deliver it, um, and it, it's it's up to the transport company managers and, and schedulers to, to build policy around it. Um, but it's the truck drivers that experience all this stuff at the street level. Yeah. Um, and that's why I want to speak to the truck drivers. And, and I'll be speaking to, to um, schedulers and managers and law enforcement officers as well, because I certainly want to get a balanced perspective. Um, but but one of, the, one of the, the key elements is to speak to truck drivers who are dealing with this stuff day in, day out, um, you know, every day. Now, I, I used to hear stories every day about um, the challenges truck drivers face in regards to how they manage their fatigue and how they comply with the law or how they try mm. to comply with the law. You know, so so I, I, I respect and accept the fact that drivers have got a lot of knowledge and experience when they're, they're dealing with this stuff. So I want to tap into that 
Um, as a lot of the research that's been done um, has interviewed truck drivers about you know, various aspects, but but as far as their motivations for, for complying or not and, and the barriers to, to compliance, um, that seems to be lacking in the literature, and, and that's what I want to you know, really yeah, want to hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, got, well, I've got a couple of very good mates that sort of, you know, very openly say, if you haven't got a logbook for any 10 years, why do you need to run a logbook? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. That's a point of view, isn't it? Yeah. No, like, you know, you're obviously got it sorted. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I suppose. I, I suppose that you know, an answer to that that question would be: Well, if, if it's working for you, let's let's grab hold of what you're doing that's that's helping you work it, um, and and let's explore that. You know, if if some drivers can make it work, well, how can we work out you know what practices they they're adopting and see if that can be spread more further, you know, like more widely through the industry. Well, I can, yeah. I can sort of hear Trevor Warner, basically, because I know you're listening. Trevor, how are you, mate? But I, I, can, yeah. I can sort of hear Trevor Warner bouncing up and down in the seat of his Volvo going, um, you know, for Christ's sake, say to him, sometimes what's safe uh, isn't always legal and what's legal isn't always safe. And he's provided plenty of examples of that um, mm-hmm. throughout, the, throughout his work. And uh, with his um, advanced fatigue management modules and things like that, he's been working on. What would you have to say in response to that, Greg? Um, yeah, look, it, it's um, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting perspectives that that I haven't considered previously, and, and that's yeah. probably probably something that you know I've heard, but I haven't really delved into. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I've, I've got to come at this with an open mind, um, yep. so so that I can, you know, and, and I, I, you know, w- would like to speak to people like Trevor that um, that can provide that perspective and that depth of knowledge um, that, that will give me that that sort of extra edge to be able to consider that perspective in context of, of all the other data that I get. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm I'm really keen to. Um, uh, yeah, well, put, put, your hand up, good people. Yeah. Yeah. put your hand up if you if you've got an opinion and if you've got an idea and if you are new to the industry, you're old to the industry, you're out of the industry, you've got out of the industry because of uh, issues that we're talking about. Please get in contact with us. And we, you, yeah. we all we want who you want to speak to, eh, Greg? Well, um, basically, I'm looking at, at anybody doing um, you know, long distance truck driving. Um, that that has has worked in either workplace health and safety um, jurisdictions or HVNL jurisdictions. Um, you know, people with 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 five minutes experience as to you know, how they find coming into the industry, um, what do they think works, what are the challenges they face, and people that have been in the industry for you know a thousand years. Um, you know, what are their experiences? How has fatigue management changed? Um, over the over their their working experience, um, you know the, the well, I that I... sign me up. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, well. I'm in. I'm in the way. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah. I'm, in. I'm in. I'll do it as well. Well, obviously, um, have you been trucking, Mike? Yeah, once or once or twice. <laughs> Not this <laughs> year. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I did. I, I did truck for the first five days this year, mate. I did. I. Uh, I got out there and I trucked away quite happily. You know, I wish I was still trucking quite happily, but unfortunately, uh, someone clipped me wing. Um, the the uh, 
I can tell you the last time I got done speeding too. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, it was uh, was it. Was that news.com? Who did that? Was it on your horse and cart? That was on the horse and cart. Uh, it's just I... someone, someone calling in. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure who it is. Um, are you there? Know. We can, we can hear you. Oh, it's Bob. Oh, we'll bring Bob God, in. Bob. How just are hang you, Bob? on for a second. Hang on for a second, Bob. I'm putting the own weights up. Oh, Mike wants to talk. Watch out! I uh, I got I got done. I got done going into Mecca in, in the ADK zone by one of those oh. bloody, <laughs> bloody cameras. And, and uh, I, I was doing, I was doing like, I think I was doing like 85 or somebody thing. But the, mm-hmm. but the last time before that, I got done legitimately speeding, mate. You'd know this little bit of area. Greg, I was wood ducking through Bookham, mate. I got knocked off on the north. <laughs> I got knocked off on the north side of Bookham doing 90 in the 80s zone or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's all that one's really bypassed now. Yeah, it is, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was your old mate from Yash that nailed me, the, the, the old fellow that was there forever. Oh, okay. I don't know. I can't think of his name now. Probably a good thing. Tom. I didn't have to. Hey? <laughs> wasn't Tom Caban, was it? I can't remember his name, Bob. I'm sure I'm sure he probably got you at one stage or another. Anyway, oh, mate, well, what hey, you don't throw <laughs> mud. We were don't fling mud. <laughs> Bob's obviously, Bob obviously rung in for a reason. What have we done wrong, Bob? We haven't done a thing wrong, mate. I'm, I'm quite impressed with Greg and uh, what he's setting out to do and study. Yeah, uh, I've got a lot of a lot of time for people who, who who look at these things in an educated and um, and balanced way. But yeah. I do have a question, Greg. I'm just wondering if you're going yeah. to consider as part of your thesis uh, the differences between um, the uh, adversarial approach to fatigue management and logbooks and that sort of driver behaviour and whatever in uh, on the eastern half of Australia and the uh, more relaxed. Uh, more flexible approach in uh, Western Australia and, of course, the Northern Territory as it applies? Yeah, look, Bob, that's, um, that's a good question and, and certainly that, that is part of what I'm going to study. What, what I want to do is, is try and um, identify the best model um, that we employ in Australia and, and so that's why I'm, I'm keen to speak to drivers that operate in the Northern Territory and Western Australia um, and compare that with what information I can get out of drivers that work predominantly under heavy vehicle national law. Um, in, in regards to it being a, an adversarial process, um, you know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with um, probably the the enforcement or how it's enforced um, and, and the way in which the enforcement officers uh, are evaluated and which their performance is evaluated. Um, you know, I, I would like to see a system where um, you know the, the the numbers become irrelevant, um, but um, sorry, the, the the number of of tickets and breaches become irrelevant. Um, but where the focus is more on um, the the capacity to influence behaviour, which leads to um, increased safety for uh, not just for truck drivers but for everybody they share the road with. Yeah, um, so it, it would it would take a a monumental. Um, change of, of um, approach, um, but, but that's ultimately something that I would like to see because it, it would remove um, a lot of that um, you know, perception of, of um, an adversarial approach. Um, but I, I certainly um, can see 
where that that perspective comes from. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, I, 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 I admire your honesty, Greg. Um, uh, the uh, the them and us uh, item has been a, a bit of a, a bear in my saddle for many years. I got involved yep. um, in the early 90s. We had a what we called an enforcement or compliance conference at the uh, in Sydney, and um, uh, a lot of the industry turned up, and there was some very good stuff. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. a, uh, a, an officer in charge of a certain task force. <laughs> in the southern parts of New South Wales turned up and proceeded to, you know, and we'd already covered the them and us thing and where it might be coming from and where it might be got rid of and all that sort of stuff. And mm. uh, he he proceeded to tell us uh, in no uncertain terms how his unit was making an absolute mocker of money for the government because he was running mm. it at a profit and uh, he was proud of the fact. Yeah, and, uh, and I, I find that, um, yeah, and I, I accept everything you say about that and I, I've, seen and heard that sort of thing before but I, I just find that really disappointing and that's probably one of the one of the factors that motivates me in in doing this study because um you know we we've got to get away from that um yeah. I, I suppose numbers based performance assessment um yeah be, because if if someone goes out and issues you know 50 tickets a week um what does that tell us it it doesn't tell us necessarily that they're doing anything that's going to improve um, road safety and reduce road trauma. Well, no, no you're, you're exactly right about that because uh, the very first Prime Minister of Great Britain said there was lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yes. And, uh, nothing's yeah. changed. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess if you if you if quality not quantity, how does it work out? Like if you got forty infringements around one area, well, that's the one area you concentrate rather than on fifty general. Is that? Yeah, look, look, that's probably the perspective that that some highway patrol officers take. Um, From from my perspective, um, and and certainly, like when I when I was um, supervising, I was a a highway patrol supervisor for the last thirteen years of my policing career, um, and and I was always looking for quality from from my people rather than than quantity. Um, Yeah, and and a lot of the time that that meant we got. Um, and, and not just with truck drivers, but we we got some really good um, lockups. Um, you know, we we caught some really bad people. Um, yeah, you know, there, there was one of my guys was was like a dog with a bone, and, and we'd be doing RBT, and the next minute he'd be, you know, rooting through a car, and he like he'd be finding firearms or replica firearms or drugs or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and and taking some really bad people off the road. Um, I, I recall. Um, one uh, one long weekend, and, and probably with the the statistics um, perception, um, you, you'll notice it's certainly in New South Wales. Um, every long weekend, there's uh, a report of you know, how many crashes there've been and any fatalities, and then quite often in the media, there's a report about you know, how many breath tests were done and how many speeding tickets were given out. And I, I think that's where a lot of these stories about numbers get their legs. Um, but one one particular weekend, um, two of my guys were out working together, and and there was a, an armed robbery a few suburbs away, and we got to keep a lookout for you know the, this vehicle that was wanted for the armed robbery, and two of my guys pulled up the car and arrested four armed robbers. Mm-hmm. So um, so when I, when I when I submitted the um, the figures at the end of the day, I, I said you know we did so many breath tests, issued so many speeding tickets, and we got four armed robbers. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and, and we, we were the only ones in the whole state that were able to provide a statistic for how many armed robbers we'd arrested. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't think it got much traction with the upper echelon, but it caused a chuckle with my immediate boss anyway. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine it did. Yeah. Um, so back, back to your studies, are you, are you keen to... Definitely keen to hear cross-border truck drivers, like the, the east-west, is the, the north-south into the territory, the, the yep. drivers that start in Melbourne, they end up in Perth and, and have to have a 24-hour break-off because the, the Melbourne book says you've got to stop in Perth. And, you know, yep. likewise, the, the West Australian book, because I, 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 I struggle with this big time with what I do with the Western Australian fatigue. You know, we can get 14 hours a day, 12, 14 hours a day. You know, why yeah. do I got to get into the east and have a day off? What you know, mm. I've done that over here for X amount of time. Why can't I do it over there? Yeah, look, they're, spot they're, on, they're, spot on, Yagi, about that. Yeah, yeah. Look, there are yeah. certain certainly sorts of uh, challenges. Um, you know, it, it may be the case that um, some of the some of the states, and, and I think we saw it during COVID, there was a lot of very independent um, policy being developed around how COVID was managed. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's well known that, that Western Australia basically became a, a separate country to the rest of the of the state. And you know, the, how how each state uh, managed their COVID response was very independent and peculiar to that state. Um, you know, so so one of the things I'm keen to find out in regards to driver fatigue is obviously there, there's drivers crossing multiple jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. How does that affect their capacity to comply? Well, um, I've actually got a text message about just that, Greg. Yeah, exactly, yep. exactly what you've mentioned there, where yeah. uh, drivers like like us, for example, who can be in three states in one day. Yep. Um, where uh, you know, as as Yogi says, the hours of service are very, very different in Western Australia to what they are in South Australia. Yep. You know, and you're certainly not going to cross into Victoria the next day, but that if 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 you get knocked off for something that you've you know. I'm tooling up the road at uh, uh, northbound through the cutter, and yep. uh, and you call me up for a compliance check or whatever it is, and uh, you knock me off for for something that's happened earlier in the day when I've been in Victoria. Yep. Um, the question that I've got here is how can we how can we enforce a Victorian uh, breach in New South Wales, and how, how is that fair? Right. These are, well, these are questions that you keep getting asked all the time. Yeah. Well, look, heavy vehicle national law actually does have a, a clause in it, um, and, and I can get you the actual clause um, when I've got the time to look it up. Of course, um, yeah. But, but um, it, it does have a, a clause in it that basically says if an offence occurs in you know, Victoria or, or in any other participating state, and, and mm. a participating state is any state where um, heavy vehicle national law applies, um, if, if an offence occurs in any participating state, and it's detected in another state, um, it can be treated as, as having occurred. So say, for example, if, if someone commits a breach in Victoria, mm. they come in in New South Wales, that breach is detected in New South Wales, mm. um, then that breach can be treated as if it happened in New South Wales. Yeah, right. So, so in a legal sense, um, there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, whether it's fair or not, I, I think would you know it would be very difficult without looking at the individual circumstances, yeah. Um, but, you know, we, which... Um, clearly, we don't have the capacity to do. It would be very difficult to make a judgment on that. Yeah, but, but certainly in a legal sense, um, it, it's perfectly okay for that to occur. Yeah, well, we're looking mm. at the situation now with various traffic law, where we've got 
different things that are happening in different states now. For example, where we've got the uh, the safety cam in, in New South Wales, which enforces point to point for, for trucks only. Whereas yeah. Victoria, you've got um, time and distance measurements down there. And I know this is outside of the scope of your your study, yeah. but I mean, we've, we've got all these inconsistencies and you're going to be looking at fatigue management, as you've said, with the with a view to what's going on, particularly contrasting the Western Australian experience to the East Coast experience or the NHBR experience. Yep. Do you expect that the study that you do will actually inform policy down the track? Is this something that we want to go to the NPC with because we all know that they're the National Transport Commission, we all know they're, they're the ones that formulate the law that the NHBR and, the, and that end up actually enforcing at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Do you think the NTC are going to want to see what you've done? Well, I, I hope so. Um, you know, <laughs> my, my, my intention is um, uh, yeah. at, the end of, at the end of this project, um, uh, firstly, position myself to, to undertake more research projects, but yeah. with this particular one, um, to, to position it so that um, you know there, there are some productive um, recommendations. Um, mm. As I said before, I, I, I can't guarantee policy will change. Um, as, as a result of this, but what I yeah. what I can guarantee, uh, or, or what what I'm hoping for, is to be able to produce something that will influence the thought processes of the policymakers. Right. Um, yeah, and and that's that's probably as, as much as I can promise with this, and th- and then it falls into the hands of the policymakers to um, to take it on board and and do with it what they will. Um, yeah. But but yeah, the the research will be robust. Um, one of the advantages of, of being a student of a doctor of philosophy is that I've got some very good um, associate professors assisting me along the way, um, and they're not going to let anything through that that won't meet robust um, academic standards. So, what I produce at the end of all of this, um, you know, will will meet a, a very high criteria um, and be, you know very difficult if not impossible for, for someone to just dismiss they they might ignore it if they want to um but, but it's going to be very hard um, for someone to um to say it's wrong basically if i may greg if i may greg i'd uh, i'd like to endorse your ambitions uh and your enthusiasm, and uh, wish you all the best Thank with you. it. And uh, Mike and the boys have my number, and if my uh, years of experience on the road can be of help to you, please get in touch. Yep. No. Th- thank you. Well, what? what um, and I don't know if you're going to speak about it um, shortly, Mike. My contact details will be with, yeah. uh, with you and on the website. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and um, yeah. Look, yeah. If, if someone, uh, yeah, if anybody is, is interested, um, they could uh, they could email me and. Um, I can uh, get in touch, and we'll work out a time when, um, uh, you know, when we can can have a chat. Um, you know, if if anybody is is in any way concerned, I can guarantee that you know I've I've taken off the the policing hat, and I'm very much a, a PhD student. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, and, and and one of the other things I would like to stress too is um, the the ethics process associated with this research, and with any research, is very stringent. Um, and one of the things they're very big on is um, the identification of of anybody who participates. So, at the end of the day, um, you know, whatever we, whatever people tell me, um, mm. you know, will be strictly um, you know confidential. 
Um, but but when I when I report the results, no one would be able to track back. You know who told me that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so there's absolutely okay. no risk for for anybody being uh, you know, identified by their boss or whatever. Um, you know, so um, and, and the you know the the crucial part of all of that is to make sure that I get good honest information, which is really what what I'm looking for, and and that's what I'm going mm-hmm. to need um, to make this work. Well, uh, well, just to knock the whole uh, the whole uh, information uh, thing on, on the head, I am going to. Everyone knows that this show will be be uh, recorded and rebroadcast through the podcast feed. In the show notes, I will put Greg's uh, contact details, his email address, and and things like that. I'm going to have him back as a guest on the podcast down the track because we want to know what's going on, how the study's going, and the sort of you know, early impressions you may have when the when the data's collected and yep. you're starting to go through the data. I certainly want to know about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I mean, as far as the the research goes, I think it's about time. You know, I think what you're really wanting is you're you're wanting truck drivers to come on you and tell you what they really do, not what they say in their logbook. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And if what if what they really do is what happens in the logbook, that's fine. Um, yeah. Uh, if if yeah. not, and they and they feel comfortable telling me that, that's yeah. You know, like, but what we need to do is is get to the crux of of why driver fatigue is still a big issue for truck drivers and for the transport industry. Um, and, and if people are just going to tell me what's in their work diary, we're probably not going to get to the to the core of the problem. Mm. Well, the pragmatic the pragmatic side of me says that we. We need to know the truth before we can actually answer the damn question, don't we? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It would be refreshing to have someone who's actually listening, uh, Mike. What was that, Bob? Sorry? I say it will be refreshing to have someone who is actually listening. Mm. Mm. Well, that's right. I've often often jokingly said that every truck driver in Australia ought to fill out his logbook for a week with what he really does and send the yellow pages to a researcher. (laughs) <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, no, no, no names, no pack drill. And I, and I sort of think that that's what you're actually shooting for, isn't it, Greg? Well, look, that, that would be, um, it would be a hell of an ethical mountain to climb, but uh, it's one that I would certainly like to climb one day because I, I think that would be quite revealing. Um, yeah, particularly if we could combine, combine it with, uh, with other data. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and it may um, it may give an indication of of the effectiveness of work diaries. Like, are they yeah. effective or are they not? Well, like like Yogi said, if you've had ten years without getting a fine, you can either you're either very good at work, writing a work diary, or you've got it covered. Yeah, you've you've got a system there that that might be working. So you know, yeah. let's hear about it. Yeah. I think one, one of the Mommy. one of the key factors too is that is understanding that there's people out there that are so involved with with um, driver fatigue for particularly interstate drivers that aren't responsible for anything. So, you know, places where you go to unload and that I think you need to interview some of them to actually find out what their what they believe their obligations are. What their yeah, chain of responsibility. Thing. Yeah. Because, yeah. You know. Yeah, well, that, you know, that, that might be, um, I mean, obviously I've got a, um, a reasonable, like a, a relative time limit to do this, yeah. and, and I think, um, you know, without, without, without yeah, look, without preempting things, I, I, I think some of the findings from this research that I'm doing it will lead to other projects, um, and, and that could be, 
you know, one of the other projects is to, uh, I, I want to interview truck drivers um, and, and their managers, like the people who, who task them for each day, and I want to interview the law enforcement officers. But once mm-hmm. I've finished this project, it might provide the opportunity or provide the impetus to, to okay, well, let's go and interview other people in the chain of responsibility and see what, what their perspectives are on, um, you know, on driver fatigue and, and how what they do impacts or how they think about what they do impacts drivers. Righto. So the next question, I suppose, and we've got 10 minutes to sort of answer this question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying that we're getting to the end of it, guys, and we probably should. You know, it's my fault because I wander off into the weeds all the time. But you know, well, now we've got nine minutes. Hurry up. Nine minutes. Shut up. Yeah, right <laughs> what, what actually, what is this, what is the process that we go through? So, you know, I'm going to go through this with you. I've volunteered to do it, and I'll yep. you know, say that in public. What's going to happen now with me, mate? What will you do with me now for your study? Okay, well, the first thing would, would be that you, you would contact me um, and we'd, we'd work out a time and time and date for um, either a, a, a Zoom meeting um, mm-hmm. or, uh, or a telephone call. Um, yeah. the, the information that... The, 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 the call would be... Um, you know, I'd, I would... Um, be asking permission to record it, bearing yep. in mind that um, you know by the time I've collected all the data, it would all be de-identified. So no one would know it was you or whoever it was that was that was being part of that interview. Yeah, um, I bet your backside, I'd be recording it. But anyway, go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go on. The, um, so so there, there, there's a, a series of questions that I would ask, and and yep. they're, they're they're pretty much open-ended. Um, yep. Yeah, there, there's a little bit of demographic data. Um, just so that I can gather data about how long people have been in the industry and where they work and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, and then there's questions around, um, you know, what, what influences um, a, a driver's attitude, um, what influences their their intentions, um, and and what, um, you know, like it, it, is it things like like how, how do their attitudes towards it develop, um, and and um, you know, uh, well. How do their, their colleagues influence what they think about it? Oh, um, yeah. and, and what other circumstances influence you know, their thoughts and their, their actions in relation to um, driver fatigue compliance? Um, the, the process that I'm looking at would, would take between 30 minutes to an hour, depending upon the kind of answers that I get. And being open-ended, open-ended questions, um, you know, there, there's capacity there for someone to... To lead on to, to other questions that might be asked as a result of the answers that they give me. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. Generally, it, generally it would be, be no more than an hour. Yeah. Um, and then at, at the end of that, I would, would collate all the information, de-identify it, and then add that to the to the database of information that I'm collecting. Once I've done all of the interviews, which, which I'm looking at doing between June and July and, and maybe into a, a bit of uh, August, um, then I, I would collect all that information and, and then do a, a, a fairly deep analysis of it all. Oh, so um, you, you're giving yourself a hell of a mountain to climb. It's like it's not like you know, five answers from strongly agree to strongly disagree to a single question. I mean, yeah, that's not actually. It's not that big because cause it, like that, that, that information, that, that kind of surveying serves a purpose, but um, it, it doesn't give the the opportunity to to really delve deeply into um into the information that that I want to find out, which is mm-hmm. is what affects how drivers deal with with uh, driver fatigue and and compliance. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah, you know, I'm right surely, without trying to influence you, and I'm, I'm sure your design, your study's already been designed, and the ethics committee have already said that's cool. Go ahead with that. And yeah, no cleavage, control, Mike. Remember, sorry. No cleavage, it doesn't work, remember? No cleavage, it doesn't work. Yeah, no, no cleavage, yeah. Right, doesn't influence, Greg. <laughs> so I won't be able to impress him with my massive side boob or anything like that? <laughs> no, no, no. Straight no, no, no. to the question. Straight to the question. Um, you know, surely uh, some of these attitude questions could have been, you know, you agree with the HBNL and as it's promulgated, strongly agree or disagree. Surely some of that would have been helpful to you, all I thought. Yeah, look, um, what, what I'm trying to... To look at is is not necessarily what their attitudes are, but how those attitudes have been developed. Righto. Um, you know, so so that's why I haven't gone down that gone down that path. And yeah. and and with um, a, a question, you know, like um, the, the the manner in which you suggested, it, it's basically closed ended. So it doesn't give the opportunity for a driver that might sort of you know be, be leaning towards a particular question, but might want to explain a bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so it will give you. Oh, I can already think about mine. I already think about my answers crossing the country. I know exactly why I cross the country right. and how I do it. I know. I some, no drama. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's right. <laughs> We're yeah. going to entertain you no end, us place, mate. You're going to be. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, no, wait, and then wait till you get out in the general I'll public. I'll second that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be yeah. sorry he ever met us, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> no, he's going to love it. We were all... right. Right. So we're getting. We 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 will post the details. We will all the links. We'll get. We'll look. Ladies and gentlemen, get behind it. Yeah. Thank you. That, that's Casey, good advice, Yagi. Let's all get behind it. Yeah. yeah. That's thank, thank, thank you. Thank you. Everyone's got an opinion on it, so might as well bring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wheel it out. Wheel it out, mate. Have you got any? You've got any final words or any words of encouragement for the uh, for the industry and. For truckies in general, before we go, or do we get to do the yeah. At, um, as, as I said at the beginning, I um, you know, which is quite a while ago now. Um, <laughs> I, I um, yeah. yeah one of the things I, I, I've missed. Don't apologise. It's been fun. Um, yeah. One of the things I, I've, I've missed since I retired was, was interacting with truck drivers, and um, and I'm really looking forward to, to getting back to to interacting with truck drivers in, in, again in a positive way. Um, mm. And and also, um, you know, trying to to identify, you know, what is the issue with with driver fatigue, and and hopefully, um, you know, bring about some solutions that will um, that will, uh, you know, help work for for you guys. Amen. Uh, can yeah, I uh, can I ask a big question too, mate? I, I've got a daughter that's fourteen, and she's uh, she wants to get into the armed forces. Would you would you recommend it as a career? Well, I, I suppose the armed forces are a, a fairly bit, fair bit different to the cops. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, well, they're, they're, whether, they're whether it is the police or, you know, army or a, anything like that, any kind of forces. Like, you know, like she, she's thinking about the police, she's thinking about the army. She's a cadet at the moment. You know, right. is it, yeah, is it a career that you you look back on and you, you've had some good days and some bad days, which we all have, you know? Yeah, look, you know, I... I um. Yeah, when I when I retired, I, I thought, you know, yes, there was good days and bad days, but but I'm going to focus on the good days. Um, mm. yeah, and, and, I, and I'm sure that, um, yeah, and and every now and then, uh, you know, the, the bad days crop up. Um, and you know, and, and I'm 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 not ashamed to say that, you know, I I, I speak to people about that. Um, mm. 
you know, yeah. which which um, you know I, I think is important for for you know, for my mental health and um, and 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 for the the good of, of my family. But um, yeah, um, as as far as a choice between the armed forces or the police, the, the police is a great job. Um, the armed forces, um, not having had any experience, but knowing quite a few people that, that have been in the armed forces, there, there's probably more capacity to to come out with a better a better level of training from the armed forces. Um, okay. You know, there, there's when, when you think about it, you can't go into the cops and and become an engineer or um, yeah, you know, you become a become a doctor. Like my, one of my um, uh, one of my children is a doctor, and and she went through medical school with a guy who was in the army. Um, and the army put him through medical school. Yeah. Um, okay. you know, the, the, the cops can't do that for you. Um, yeah. You know, so, so there's probably more opportunities yeah. to, you know, uh, if she joins the the air force, you know, becoming a a, a pilot or a, an aircraft mechanic or something like that. Um, so it, it's probably, you know, not not so much wants, what she wants to do for the rest of her life, but look at the opportunities that yeah, what can that, that, that it, it, it might give her. Um, you know, because there's a lot of a lot of broken cops around um, that, that yeah. have gone and done a few years of you know, or, or you know, ten or fifteen years of, of being a police officer, and they come out and they're basically an ex-cop. Yeah. Um, if you go yeah. into the armed forces um, and you become a an aircraft technician, um, you come out of the armed forces and you're still an aircraft technician. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, so. Okay. So if she, she thinks about it from those, those perspectives, um, yeah, you, know, um, you know, weigh it up and, and see what's best for her. Yeah, well, cool. Yeah, thanks, thanks, mate. Right. We're very aggressive here, but thank you very much. Good on you. That's thanks right. for coming on the road radio. Yeah. That's all right. Thanks for having me. It's been great. <laughs> thanks, Greg. And we will post um, post these contact details up. Yep, that would be great. Over the variety of media that we have available to us. Yep. No, that'd be good. I, I look forward to hearing from people. And I'll, uh, and I'll text you the link to the uh, recording of the show on the podcast feed when I've got it done in a, in a little Very while. Then. All right. Thanks Mate, for that. I do appreciate you coming on the show. I do appreciate your candid answers. And thank God we had a good laugh, mate, because I was pretty, pretty dry old subject. And uh, you know, obviously you've got my email address, mate. We'll queue something up because I've got nothing better to do than sit here on Wednesday and waffle the people. So, all right. No worries. worries. Thanks for coming on the show, mate. See no you. worries. Thank, thank you all. It's been great. Right, eh? Thanks, Greg. All right, no worries. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Yogi. Thanks, Mike. All right. Okay. See you later. See ya. So, Yogi. Well, that's it. Are you going to be with us on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll get a bit of time with you, will we? We will? Yeah. So, are we still on or are we off? Or we're, we're, on. On. we're on. We're still on. We're still on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Are we on or are we on? <laughs> no, we're on. So sat- Saturday, right? Saturday we're doing. We, we, we've got the. We've got the ultra marathon. Is Bob still there? Yeah, I'm here. Bob, right? Bob can listen to what I'm going to do on Saturday. Then. Right. Yeah, Saturday I'm, dropping, yeah, I'm interested, mate. Right, I joined you, Bob. Good to good to good to talk to you, Bob. Anyway, we kept- So Saturday we've talked about this. Me, 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 me good looking mate. I said it the other day, and I'll say it yeah. again. Yeah. He's doing an ultra marathon 80k run yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll now now you, you you will laugh, and if you're having a cup of tea, don't drink a mouthful now because what I'm about to say will make you spit it out. I am his support crew. 
I warned you, like, don't drink your cup of coffee when I hear you say that. But I'm mind boggles with that and, statement. Can you do 80Ks <laughs> in a golf buggy, can you? You can. Yeah, well, well so, so apparently, so he's got to kick off at about 6 o'clock in the morning, so we're about 40 minutes away drive where we're staying in the caravan park. So I got the morning shift, I think, to run into the start line, and I mean drive in the car through the yep. start line, and yep. then I think I kick him out, and then I think I do a coffee run, and then we catch him at the first leg, and then I think we catch him somewhere. But I, but I don't know how long it's going to take. So it might take 12 hours. Right. Mm. Yeah, so, it, like you know, maybe at 5 o'clock, we might, I might be okay for an hour or so, but then uh, well, that was my long-winded discussion as to why I could be there for an hour or so on Saturday. Mm. Oh, that's all right. That's all I'm, I'm hoping to land a fairly influential guest on Saturday, yeah, at a bit after five o'clock Western Australian, so seven o'clock in the east and six thirty if you care in South Australia, yeah, <laughs> whatever else time it is. But yeah, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll I haven't locked that in. Uh, fair to say, yes, uh, Mike. As well. Yeah, okay. But you'll you'll be happy when we do. So so yeah, so we might give an hour or so, and uh, I, I reckon Astro will be. I reckon he'll do it in 12 hours. I'll really get the feel that he'll knock it out, you know, finish up about 6, 7 o'clock, somewhere around that mark. Well, um, we'll see how we do. Which is absolutely fantastic he does. It's uh, He's been training for this for a couple of years because COVID come along and we all coughed and sneezed and farted so they wouldn't let us through the run in mm-hmm. 2020. So he's been putting it off. He had knee issues and he's worked through it all. And, and he's just doing it because he wants to do it. It's Why am I still seeing a speech waveform? I don't are know. Are we live? We are live. I told you we're live. <laughs> Lucky you kept that under wraps, Mike. <laughs> Why you're not paying attention? So yeah, so we'll um, yeah, so it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be I the Margaret River Ultra Marathon, and having a safety meeting. Well, we could have been. We could have been. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about what I'm doing. Do I talk about this in the safety meeting? So yeah. But anyway, that's what's happening. Right. Well, yeah. that's been a, a wonderful evening. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Good job. I didn't start swearing well, or something, did I? Yeah, oh. Got my finger on the button. You're ready to cut oh, you out. The, the no. dump button. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It is a good job. So, yeah. so if so, anyone's floating around Margaret River and you reckon you can run 80k. Come on down, start it. Go, go, go. <laughs> right. Hey, do you want to know? Like, do, so Astro told me at the sixty-kilometer mark, yeah. six-zero kilometer mark, there's ten kilometers of soft sand oh, to run in. Oh, you did say that. Oh, oh, how brutal is that? Ten kilometers oh. of soft sand. Wow. I, I'm, I'm feeling it in the, I'm feeling it in the carbs just even thinking about that. Like, oh, fair to say, um, what we talked about this on the weekend because I was at the 40th mm. with him on Saturday. I've been carb loading this week already. For him. Have you? Have you? Yeah, I've been carb loading pasta and pizza and stuff like that just to just to get myself ready for the long haul. Carb, uh, carb loading for him? No, for me. Right. <laughs> 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 I might have a couple of beers. And said to make it even more funny, it's actually his birthday on Friday as well, so he's going to have maybe a. I don't know, a protein bar as a birthday cake. I, I don't actually know what he's going to have on Friday, but I, but again, I'll be carb loading on Friday for us all for the team, yeah. so I can get through Saturday uh, with the bit of driving that I'm going to have to do. 
Well, you've always been known to take one for the team, so mate, correct? You know, no respect or you know, respect for that. Yeah, that's right. And I'll, look, I'll limit it to maybe a half a dozen runs on Friday night, just to be sure. Yeah, that I won't overcarbload. <laughs> we won't do that to him. But Saturday night will be a whole different story. So yeah, but he, he told me too there on the weekend that some people will do this. Now I, I want I want you good listeners to get your head around this. Some people will do this in six and a half hours. Eighty k's in six and a half hours. Yeah, they'll start turning up just after twelve o'clock. Wow, that's, that's pretty good, isn't it? Hey, our fit. And how mentally prepared would you be for that? That is, and it's going to be a beautiful 22, 23 degree day. So it's probably going to be a little bit warm yeah. in the West Australian sun, as well as it'll be cool mornings. But the, the days might be a bit warm, so it's going to be it's a be great. It'll be a great day. We're all over there. There's about fifteen of us going over there in different ways, shapes, or forms, and caravans and kids and and all points in between. So we're looking forward to it. The player comfort level might not be a lot of fun though. The play comes a little, especially at three o'clock when it's 23 or 24 degrees in the afternoon and no sea breezes come up. But anyway, we won't point that out to Astro. It'll be fine. Mm, so, right. Well, that's the right. Wednesday waffle, ladies and gentlemen. That's oh, it. Still no. on that waffle idea, are we? Did you want to rip no. it before we bugger off? Next week. No. Next, Next week, week. Yogi. <laughs> See you, Yogi. See you, Tech See you, later. Right See you Bob. Thanks, everybody. See you. Good night, everybody. See you next week. <laughs>